Welcome to the Alad Pod, Missouri's online town hall program bringing our government back to you. I'm your host, Alad Gross. I'm a civil rights and government transparency attorney, an educator, and a friend to all dogs who weigh at least 40 pounds with a select few others who believes that our government should be responsive to we the people. This show is about big ideas, including yours. So you're invited to participate and ask questions when these shows are live, before they become podcasts, at aladgross.live. On this episode, we speak with Trish Gunby, a representative in Missouri's State House out of St. Louis County. She is currently running for Congress and is the Democratic nominee for Missouri's 2nd Congressional District. She answered many questions from the public about policy and her ideas for how that office should change. Hello, Trish. How are you? Hello, Alad, and everybody out there in Alad Pod land. Uh, oh, wow. We've got a land now. Do you hear that? <laughs> We've got the little dogs here, too. So if you do hear some barking or if a cat takes over the camera, I'm sorry. That's just the way it goes for the day. But we've got some backup stuff here. Anyway, Trish, welcome to the Alad Pod. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm very happy to have, very excited to have you. Uh, could you, for folks who may not be familiar with you, don't know, um, which you all should be. You all should know who your state representatives are. Very important part of our local government. Uh, but could you tell folks who you are and what you're running for? And uh, even maybe for folks who don't know about those lovely maps, where that's located. Right. I am the state representative right now in the 99th district, which includes Manchester, Twin Oaks, Valley Park, and unincorporated St. Louis County. Mm -hmm. Uh, next session, it will become the 98th district, so it is changing. But I am here because I'm the Democratic nominee for Congress in Missouri's 2nd Congressional District. That map has been redrawn. Easternmost side starts at about Maplewood, goes up to Highway 64, encompasses St. Louis County. We move westward out through Franklin County, and then a portion of Warren County. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we we uh, as we say, more tires, more tennis shoes. <laughs> a lot of tennis shoes. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, not too many tires, but those yeah. tennis shoes they go pretty quick. <laughs> um, okay, and so so you know, part of we've had a few state reps who've come on before and they've talked a bit about it, but um, you know, we always have new folks who are watching. Um, you know, people sometimes get a little confused because you say, "Oh, representative." And they think that you are in Washington, D.C. Uh, but you are currently an elected official in the state of Missouri. Uh, what does a state representative do for folks? Well, I won a special election back in 2019. That seat was held by a Republican. I flipped that seat, was supposed to lose by 10 points. I won by eight. Oh, well, good thing you didn't listen. <laughs> That's right. So I, I'm not a big fan of polling, uh -huh. uh, just so you know. And came back in 2020, was reelected. And as a state rep, we spend about five months out of the year in Jefferson City, Monday through Thursday afternoon. And so we have apartments out there, people stay in hotels, and then obviously we're in committee and in session legislating, that's the hope. And mm -hmm. then we come back on Thursday afternoon, evening, and then we're in the district through Sunday, and then we go back at it again until mid-May. Okay. And the rest of the year, you're in your district for the most part, with the exception of veto session, which is in September, or if a special session's called. Mm -hmm. And so you're in the district. Many people have jobs, so they're working and simultaneously serving their constituents with any help they may need with certain yeah. things. So, which yeah. is a lot yeah. know, to do all of that. <laughs> yeah, so the, the difference is, obviously, for, for Congress, for U.S. representative, yeah. Uh, and I, I was surprised because in the state house, we're in, we're in session about 70 days a year. Mm -hmm. U.S. house, it bumps up to about a hundred. Uh -huh. But the thing I found interesting about that, so you really are home, you know, you're home a, a large majority of the time. Yeah. Um, I have not seen our current Congresswoman Ann Wagner. Uh, I think she spends more time in D.C., and so was surprised by the amount of time you actually do spend in the district 
and the fact that I just really have not seen her in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I live five minutes from her office. So my hope would be when I'm elected that people would be able to know me and that we would bring a lot to the district and build a sense of community and connect, you know, folks given that the map has changed considerably. Yeah. But that's going to be important in this role. Yeah. Why, uh, uh, why are you interested in running? I, when I ran for state rep, I was doing work out in the community, actually through my church. I was doing some social justice work around racial justice, reducing gun violence, voting rights. And this seat opened up Mm -hmm. and actually people out in the community asked me to run. It had not been on my radar though I majored in political science in college. Uh So have an interest in it. I was one of those letters to the editor people. Uh I door knocked for bond issues for my school district. So was an engaged citizen, basically. Was asked to run and have really enjoyed this this job. I mean, it's very fulfilling. A lot of it is constituent, you know, helping the voters in your district. Obviously, there's a component to writing laws that also you believe, you know, help people and Missourians in general. And so I've enjoyed doing that. And about a year ago, as you kind of sit down and think, you know, because you have to run for both of these every two years. Yeah. So you're kind of running nonstop. Right. right. Basically uh, looking at ahead and uh, folks actually had reached out and said, I think you ought to consider running. I think Anne is is beatable, is vulnerable, again, not doing her job. And so I made a decision and announced uh, about a year ago in early August. So we've been at it ever since. Yeah. Wow. D.C., huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I I actually, I spent (laughs) a semester of college, my senior year, I did an internship in D.C. So I I do have an interest in this. And and it will be certainly a change from Jefferson City, which I've enjoyed that as well. But... Obviously, a little bit. It's a larger uh, playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, some similar craziness, <laughs> shenanigans may go on. I'm, I'm betting. Some, so, yeah, just I'm a sure. little bit. But uh, yeah. I believe I'm ready for it, and I believe that the second district deserves somebody who truly represents them. Yeah. What? Um, you know, I think, uh, and you mentioned it a bit. There's been, you know, some some significant criticism. I think um, from folks really of both parties, right? Uh, regarding the current Congresswoman Ann Wagner. And I think you mentioned, I mean, the lack of availability, but really, you know, there's not that much, doesn't seem like a lot of town halls, community interaction with just the wider public. Um, And it sounds like that's something that you want to change. What are, you know, thoughts about going into this? I'm sure folks have asked you and you've thought a lot about it because you're spending a lot of time doing it. But as a, a Congress person, what, what changes do you want to make from what we're seeing right now in Missouri Second District? Well, you mentioned, and I've mentioned the connecting people in the district and just being accessible. Uh, I get emails and phone calls from people asking for help on federal issues mm-hmm. because they have not heard back from uh, Ann Wagner from her office. And so lack of accessibility, uh, returning calls, retur- responding to emails, no town halls really has done a few things maybe more politically motivated or in groups that she kind of controls. She's done some one-on-one 10-minute meetings, Mm -hmm. but has not put herself in a position to be in a room where everybody may not agree with you and you have to answer for your vote. And so in my role as state rep, I have had eight town halls in three years Yeah, and have even done town halls related to certain subject matters and brought experts in, because I think that's a big part of this job. We all have our opinions about things, right? Right. but you, I want to learn. I want to learn more and I want to give accurate information. So I bring people in and we talk about their insight into certain issues. We did something on racial justice. We did something on taxes, lots of things that, that can be very complicated mm-hmm. and I can't know everything. And so you want people in to help. And so those are the kinds of things I think it'll bring the community together. We're certain in a place. We're in a place right now yeah. in our region, in our country, in our you know state where we need ways to connect and realize how we're alike and not focus on how different we may be right. on certain things. So I don't think that she has done anything to bring us together. I think she has continued to try and um, tear us apart. Yeah, I mean, you know, constituent services is what right uh, in terms of 
being available to folks and helping them with real things. It's it's such a big deal. I think you don't really notice it uh, when you have somebody who's representing you who doesn't focus on that. And then somebody who comes in and does do a lot more of that, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I didn't know my congressperson can do X, Y, Z. Right. Um, so I think that's a, a big thing. And we do have some comments coming through already. Um, oh, very a lot of lot of fans up here. There's already a dogs for Trish for Mo. So I think I, uh, I think we've got a couple here. They're all listening right now to decide how they're going to vote. This I will replay this for my dog at home, Ellie. Okay. Had oh, I known, yeah, I yeah. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I should have warned you. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, Laura is a big fan. She's already on board. She said yes. Send her to DC. Um, okay, here's, um, so here's somebody, I mean, this is kind of in the same vein from Vicki. Um, she's saying that she's looking for true representation, not lip service from Ann Wagner. I've needed real help and haven't received it. Um, I wonder, you know, when you're, cause I mean, you're at least in my circles, very well known for going door to door and actually talking to folks and putting, you know, a sincere effort into trying to meet as many people as possible when you're asking for their vote, which I think is a wonderful thing. Right. What a concept. Uh, what what an idea, you I know. know. It's like, oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. Um, have you I mean, have you been when you've been talking to folks, have you been, I guess one, just meeting people who have no idea who their congressperson is, but then two, you know, have been hearing some of the same discussion that we're having now from folks who are in that district too. Well, what we've found when I first started running, and I'm in a 50-50 House district, mm -hmm. half Republican, half Democrats. Yeah. And so I'm mindful of that when I serve. Uh, a lot of what we do is not partisan. I don't ask people what party you're in if mm. I'm going to help you with unemployment. Right. <laughs> you right. know, that doesn't happen. And so I'm mindful of that. And certainly the second district, the old second congressional district, really was a 50-50 district. Biden and Trump virtually split the ticket. If you go down, I mean, I was able to win while Ann Wagner won. Mm -hmm. And so people were picking candidates based on um, maybe policy, character, whatever that may be. Yeah. So in this new second district, there are many people, especially those out in Franklin and Warren, that don't even know who she is because they were in the third con congressional district. Uh, uh -huh. sure. So part of what we found when we're door knocking is, again, to educate people on you're in a new congressional district. Right. And you don't know you know, either person who's running. And so just to have that, you know, face to face, that's a big part of it. And the other part is obviously to share your views and that sort of thing. And so some people may decide to do that through uh, direct mail and only advertising. Yeah, we choose to do it face to face, and to make those connections. And what you find along the way is there are people who support you know who you are, there are people who know nothing but take your literature and say, I'm going to find out more. Right. There are Republicans who tell you, you know what? I don't like her either. Mm -hmm. I don't feel <laughs> like I'm represented because I don't know what she does. Yeah. And then you get independents who, you know, they're truly going to go down that ballot and pick who they think best fits their needs. Mm -hmm. And so you have to hit all of those buckets. And I feel like the best way to do that is to do it or have somebody on my team who yeah. assists. I can't hit every door, obviously. Right. But you, Would be nice. I, I think, yeah. yeah, it's just good old fashioned politicking. Mm -hmm. And that's what's been lost. Yeah. People have quit talking to each other and they get a lot of their news from really opinion news sources. And what I tell people, I have a phone number on my literature and guess who that phone number comes to? Mm-hmm me mm -hmm. <laughs> and peep the phone will ring i'll pick it up and i'll say hi this is trish uh -huh. and there'll be this pause uh -huh. and people will say the candidate and i'll say yeah and they number one didn't think anybody would answer yeah. or number two are surprised that i'm answering mm -hmm. and so that's we really are trying to drive home the fact that there is a better way and this is how you rebuild trust and restore representation yeah yeah, that's great that you put your number out there. I mean, it could be bad, by the way. Let me tell you, I still get some. <laughs> no, but it's great. I mean, folks are just like, oh, wow, you actually want to talk to me. And I think it's such a, unfortunately, uh, for a lot of folks in our state and all across the country, really, it's such a 
uh, uh, concept that is just so wild for people to imagine that oh, somebody in office actually wants to talk to me right now and wants my opinion and wants to see what they can do for me. Isn't that nice? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and those are the best. I mean, that's that sort of um, validates why you're running. You yes, know? exactly. I mean, it. Re- you know, you know why you're running. Mm hmm. But you want to hear from people, is this important to you too? Or are there other things that are important to you? Yeah. What is your personal experience around that? And that's the thing, you know, people share a lot on the campaign trail. And yeah. I, I can I can remember people who talk about family members who are sick. Or a woman who said to me, I hope I remember talking to you because I have Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are things you can't you know, experiences in this journey that I will take away with me. Yeah. And that's what makes, it kind of brings our humanity out. Right. And that's what gets lost in a lot of that. So yeah. that kind of sustains me and keeps me going. Yeah. And it's it should be part, like that should be part of it because then it makes you a better representative for those people. And it's like that part being lost is, is highly unfortunate. It's just sad that. Anywho. Uh, we do have some, okay, we got some policy questions coming in. You ready? Oh, boy. This is the fun stuff. Okay. Go to my website. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. Trishgunby.com. Uh, okay, we'll do it, though. We'll do it live. All right, Kelly Dunn's got a question. Thoughts on separation of church and state, which is apparently becoming more of a hot-button issue now than it has been for a little bit. So thoughts on that? Personally, I am a person of faith. I am very mindful that there are many faith traditions out there and there are many people who don't share a faith or don't practice a faith. Mm -hmm. And I'm a firm believer in separation of church and state. And I am mindful of that. I certainly have been as a state representative. One of the things that has always troubled me is the fact that we start every session with a prayer. It tends to be, Every time since I've been there, mm-hmm. it's been a Christian prayer. Okay. I have asked for other faith traditions to come and do that, to say a prayer. And I have a mosque in my district. Mm-hmm. Um, I have people who are Jewish. There's a Hindu temple just down the road from my district, my, my house district. Mm-hmm. And so I'm mindful of those traditions. And when all you put forth is one particular faith tradition... And I think what we're seeing now in the Republican Party is this idea of of Christian nationalism. And if you don't believe what I believe around a number of different things, Roe v. Wade, as an example, being one thing, um, that is very troubling to me to go down that path. Because this country was created on the basis of it shouldn't be that way. We should, you know, we should separate. They made it very clear, the founding fathers. And what I see happening is um, a tendon, a, 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 well, the direction that we're heading is just to pick a, a certain faith or belief that many in power believe this is the way everybody should conform to the way that I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they legislate. And I do not believe in that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm mindful of that in terms of how I carry myself in my job, legislation that moves through, and just how people feel included. You know, I want yeah. I want everybody to feel like they are a part of this district and that there isn't any sense of, I don't feel like I belong. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. when you go down one path, even that if that's your own personal path, good for you, but that leaves out a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should be doing that. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. <laughs> Not that it matters. <laughs> In case it does. Uh... Oh, another good one. Okay. Thoughts on monopolies. And uh, I mean, we're seeing that like all, all across the state in many parts of the economy. I think we're seeing it in places we weren't really expecting it before. But just this concentration of power within these massive corporations that have so much control over huge aspects of the economy we're seeing in healthcare, agriculture in a lot of ways, uh, in a whole lot of ways. Um, we're starting to see it in housing right now too, which is, uh, we're, we could talk about that forever. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts about, um, you know, monopolies, concentration of power in these kinds of systems right now? And, um, do you have any thoughts about 
ways to deal with that, especially from a federal perspective. Um, probably can do a little bit more, but we do have some state antitrust stuff here too. So Right. Well, no, I think we have seen that play out, especially in going through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And most recently with baby formula. Yeah. When you have four manufacturing facilities in the country and one gets shut down because of contamination or, you know, those sorts of things, that dramatically impacts um, the production and distribution of something that is critical. Right. Yes. <laughs> very critical yes. to keeping babies alive. And so anytime you see any industry become so big that something like that could happen, I think the other thing that it does is it, it uh, squelches entrepreneurship. Right. And the idea that that the little person can, you know, build something from the ground up and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of, you know, move down that path. So I think it monopolies have a tendency to uh, tamp down on the free market and new businesses starting. Yeah. And that's sort of the cornerstone of, of the U.S. I mean, that's how so many right. got their start. Um, and the other thing is, you know, do they do they pay enough in taxes what does it look like in terms of wages from the top down, mm-hmm. uh, good working conditions, all those kinds of things. The bigger you get and you lose sight of that uh, and the role that workers you know, play in yeah. those companies, uh, you're starting to see workers now say, enough already. And so we all see hiring signs everywhere. You know, The generation that is coming up and is going to replace those who are retiring they are demanding different yeah. things in the workplace. And big companies, corporations better listen because smaller companies tend to listen. And the bigger you get, the harder it is to do that. So, yeah. 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 I think it's uh, certainly seeing a lot more interest in unions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's a way I. <laughs> it's, it's really, and especially in the history of, of the labor movement, it's, it's often you know, from just a philosophical perspective, it's been proposed as here is the way to combat this kind of concentration, right? So if corporation is going to have this much power over this many people, then you balance that by having this many people with this much power. And so, you know, some countries do it a little bit differently, like Germany, for example, they, um, you know, make sure to have workers representation on boards and everything else. Um, you know, I, I wonder from, I don't know if you've even in Missouri, but, um, you know, I don't think we've seen a lot of antitrust actions, unfortunately, and I've been a big complainer about that. But um, I mean, what what do you think? Do you think it sounds like because I mean, if you're starting something up and you have to compete against some massive monopoly with all this advantage and probably a lot that's been legislated as a result of spending a lot of money there, too. But. Uh, you're not going to. You're just not going to go there. And you exactly right. There's not going to be competition. There won't be innovation in that space. I mean, do you think we go so far as to um, start breaking up some companies? Like what what are I mean, what are I guess what do you see as being the solution to this problem? Or maybe is it more of a focus on union and labor rights or a combination? I don't know. Well, I think what you're going to see I don't know that companies are obviously are going to do that on their own. Right, right. <laughs> what you're going to see, like so many movements, is workers are going to determine that, mm-hmm. and they've already started doing that. And I think you know corporate executives have to take note, and they're on notice. Yeah. And so many things, I think, when it benefits workers, you know. Corporate corporations, and I understand, you know, the idea is you want to please your shareholders. I get that. And right. I'm I'm fine with that. Huh. I, you know, I, I've invested in the economy as well. We all want a fair return on our sure. investment. Yes. Especially if you'd like to retire. So right, exactly. Yes, right. So I get that. <laughs> right. But there are times when you, you need, there needs to be more of a balance. And I think things are out of balance. Yeah. And so if corporations aren't going to do it or the boards of those corporations you are going to have trouble finding workers mm-hmm. and that is going to affect your bottom line in the end. And so they can either be proactive and do something about it or they can wait. Yeah. But, but I think workers right now we're seeing, you know, the, the, the they're ascending into something. I don't know where it's going to take us, but as you see each and every Starbucks get unionized and you see right. people going after Amazon, you know, I mean, those, everything from the smallest to the biggest, mm-hmm. uh, 
they're going to have to yeah. figure it out. Right. Because workers aren't going to, they're not going to step away from this, I don't believe. Yeah. And it's it's hurting. I mean, it's, it's hurting uh, the corporations too, eventually at least, if they don't feel it yet. But I mean, if you've got so many folks who can't afford your products, they can't buy into them. I know there's like, and we're seeing like housing, which I mentioned before. There's this huge focus in building luxury housing this and luxury housing that, which are half empty. And and then the affordable housing market is just yes. devastated. And that is going to, sure, like the individual person or corporation in that situation is like, oh, well, I can take advantage of this and improve my bottom line right now. But down the road, because of the impact that has on the overall economy, oh, you're, you're just screwing yourself at the end of the day. Right, and I, right. I think it's, you know, it's, it's folks who um, unfortunately are so focused on taking advantage versus thinking about this in a more long-term perspective has really been hurting a lot. But No. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Okay, let's go to a different one. Oh, here. Here's another one. Uh, okay. Interesting. Okay, so we've got, how can we make sure reproductive freedom stays front and center in this campaign? And I guess overall, um, I mean, what are your thoughts about, obviously, we've, we're, we're, we've got Dobbs now. Uh, which means in Missouri we have a trigger law that is so extreme that even Donald Trump said it was extreme, and uh, uh, it is now in effect, and there's a whole bunch of questions about the impact of that law today, but also proposals that are coming down the line, as you are very well aware of yes. in, in the state legislature. So what, I guess, what, um, how, much, how much of a role is that playing right now in your campaign and... Um, I, are you hearing from folks on this issue in particular right now in Missouri? Absolutely. I think it's front and center. Yeah. And especially after what we saw happen in Kansas, I think that's an exclamation point on uh, watch out. Yeah, right. <laughs> watch out on November 8th. I mean, the key is people who feel so passionately about that, and I would hope the generation coming up most impacted. You know, when I was a teenager, Roe v. Wade had just been passed. My mm -hmm. whole adult life. Roe v. Wade has been present. I've never really had to think about it. And so I, I'm mindful of people who have to think about it now and really chart your course before things maybe even happen mm -hmm. in your life, mm -hmm. in one's life. And so I think it's front and center. I don't think it's going away, obviously. We are making a big point to talk about it on the campaign trail. And I will tell you, across the district, I've had people as far out as Warrington yeah. When I've been talking about other things, stop me and say, I don't care about any of this. Are you pro-choice or how do you feel about reproductive choice? Mm -hmm. And that's all they want to know. Yeah. So I think people are underestimating whether you're closer into St. Louis metropolitan area or you're in the suburbs or you're out in a more rural area. I think women, especially people who want their reproductive freedoms and feel like those have been stripped away, they need to get out and they need to vote. And those who love them and partner with them need to do the same because we are going to see a reckoning, I believe. Mm -hmm. And what, what's going to happen is you're going to see people die. You're going to see especially persons of color affected. You are going to see people not want to live in the state of Missouri. I have been door knocking for three years. And most recently, those conversations have changed. I had somebody say to me, and this was a Republican, I'm a moderate Republican. I have four children ages 9 to 19. We are seriously considering moving out of the state after this law. Mm -hmm. I cannot raise my family here. So families are going to leave. Young people aren't going to stay. Young people aren't going to want to move here and raise families. And how are we going to replace that population? And so very concerning to me, I think it's going to be front and center. And certainly we will keep it front and center because it is an attack on our, on yeah. our rights. Yeah. Yeah. Last, uh, uh, last weekend, well, a few days ago now, everything's kind of blank. Yeah. <laughs> last, last, so last weekend, um, I, uh, uh, I traveled a bit. So I was in St. Charles, saw you wonderful. Um, That's and right. then, uh, uh, went to the state fair and then went to Lafayette County for their pie auction. And at the state fair, I drop off cookies for the Democratic table volunteers. And I was very excited to see Nanda. Hello, Nanda, if you're watching right now. Uh, but I was very excited to see her. 
And while I was there, and this happens like every time at the state fair, while I was there, there's a guy who came up to the table and he started looking, he was rummaging through stuff and he took something and, and, uh, uh, you know, people then get excited. It's like, Oh, somebody here wants to talk to us. And so, you know, they, they start talking to him and he said, well, I'm not a socialist, but he's got like kind of a smile on his face. And I said, Oh, well, if you're a communist, we'll take you. Is that, does that work? <laughs> and he started laughing and he was like, you guys don't want to talk to me. I voted for Eric Greitens. And I'm like, okay. Uh, you want to talk a little more about that? Cause obviously you're here right now. So I talk a little bit and, uh, we get to talking. He sees my cookies that are in the shape of Missouri and everybody's like, Oh, they're good. And I said, yeah, give him one. Let him have He's like, okay, takes one. And then he's like, how'd you make this? What'd you put into it? He then starts showing me through his phone, all of these cheesecakes that he makes. Right. So we're talking about that and tells me he's a Republican, uh, works in a, uh, public job, uh, very difficult one. And uh, was extremely upset about the abortion law in Missouri because in his view, he said, if something, God forbid, happens to my wife or my daughter, like I know what I want them to be able to do if that's what they choose. Mm -hmm. Who the hell am I to then tell somebody else you can't do that as if my ideas need to be imposed on other people? This guy, Eric Greitens voter, Republican mm -hmm. in the state of Missouri, I think that there are a lot of folks in that boat, I mean, who just think government doesn't need to be all up in my business all the time. I think that's most of Missouri, honestly. No. But Well, and, and in terms of healthcare providers, you uh -huh. know, my husband's a physician, my daughter's a nurse, and the idea, because abortion is healthcare, yeah. and there are people with ectopic pregnancies, for instance, who, right. when you find that out, you would have a, an, a procedure so that your fallopian tube would not burst mm -hmm. and you could pot potentially die or yeah. lose, you know, not be able to, to have children. Uh, and so the idea that now healthcare providers are saying, well, we're going to have to wait until it's bursting and you really are hurting badly and then rush to an ER and let's, you know, take you into emergency surgery. I mean, that whole mm -hmm. Hippocratic Oath of do no harm. I don't think that covers that. Right, and, so, I, yeah. and so you hear that. And the other thing beyond abortion, this is opening the door to Republicans taking away birth control and contraception. Ann Wagner and many Republicans just voted against contraceptives. So you're celebrating the overturning of Roe v. Wade and simultaneously saying, oh, but we're not going to let you have access to certain contraceptives. Mm -hmm. Makes absolutely no sense. I guarantee you the vast majority of Americans, Missourians, and people in the second would not get that and would not agree with it. Yeah. And so we are opening the door to people literally controlling family planning right. and what may happen you know, thereafter. And so I don't think anybody wants that to happen and realizes that's what is on our doorstep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're literally talking about freedom from the government being able to tell you how to make all of those decisions. Yes. And yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of folks and rightfully so start to shy away from it, but um, it, it's, yeah, I think, I think you're right. There are a lot of people who folks are taking their votes for granted right now. And uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because in Missouri we were supposed to have similar to Kansas, but we have a little bit of a difference. We were supposed to have a vote on whether to uh, veto that abortion ban. Like that was supposed to happen. And then all these, you got to collect all these signatures to do it. But Secretary mm -hmm. Ashcroft, the Secretary of State of Missouri, who I guess he's running for governor now, he's uh, he just did not do his job and approve it. Instead, he said, no, no, there's this emergency clause on this thing. So therefore, despite what all the laws say, what all the cases, like, no, the people, if they want to, just like we overturned right to work, mm -hmm. can do the same thing here. And... Uh, that guy said no, and it took the Missouri Supreme Court with another ruling to say that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that, but too but late. too late, exactly. Yeah, and so now we're stuck with this thing that is causing a lot of confusion. It's not written the best, and we have an attorney general, a governor, a health department, all of these things who just refuse to provide any clarification on what could happen, uh, especially for doctors who are practicing this stuff. Uh, but then for prosecutors who are out there, some of whom would probably not mind making it on national news for prosecuting somebody for this stuff. And there's nobody telling them, hey, don't you do this thing.
But a lot, you know, I think, at least from the state uh, organization on prosecution, I think that they've got some good leadership there. But uh, it would be nice to have it in other places. Well, and I know my caucus, my Democratic caucus, has asked, gone to the governor and said, we would like to have a special session on this. Mm -hmm. This seems like something that would be, because there isn't clear direction, and that's not going to happen. The other thing that's concerning to me is when you talk about medical schools, they're not wanting to teach abortion care. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to lose that education... And it's it's just, you know, we should be advancing right. our healthcare care right. systems, not moving ourselves back into the 1940s and 50s when abortions, illegal abortions were performed and, and that sort of thing. And so it's just very concerning. It's mm-hmm. just a step backward, so many steps backward. And I, I know when I go to protests and there are young adults there who can't even vote, mm-hmm. but they will not let this go away and good for them. I'm yeah. right behind them. So I, I believe down the road we'll see some changes, but right now we've got to kind of sort it out and it's not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very big topic. We could talk about yeah. that for a long time too. Um, all right. Uh, oh, okay. Here we go. Oh, hi, Audrey. How are you? Okay. Audrey's wonderful. Uh, your new <laughs> district. Uh Newly drawn, the way it has been drawn, has both wealthy areas and impoverished areas of Missouri within it. How will you reach out to both? How will you bring them together? That's a that's a good question. I think a very big key to a lot of the stuff happening in Missouri. Hopefully, will happen in the future if we can figure um, a lot of this coalition building out. But yeah, what are your what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think the way you bring it together is you know we talked about the door knocking piece. Mm-hmm. No matter really where you live, people have the same hopes and dreams, really and some of the same concerns. I mean, people are concerned about health care. They're concerned about jobs and the economy. They're concerned about inflation. Mm. And so whether you are somebody with a lower income or somebody with a higher income, we still hear the same things. And the reason I yeah. know that is because I've been door knocking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not a poll. Right. It's, right. it's, a, it's a poll at the door. And right. And I've heard it. Yeah. And so... <laughs> I just will tell you that when you hear those things Mm -hmm. in all different parts of the district, in all different subdivisions, or at somebody's home that you walk down a a gravel road to get to, and I've done that, there are many more things that we agree on and that that we believe in than, than is suggested. How we get to some place, we may not agree completely, and that's Mm -hmm. where you kind of get into the weeds. But everybody just wants a good life for their family. They want good health care. They want to be treated fairly. I mean, it, it doesn't really change that much. And what I have heard in the, the more rural parts of the district, because the third district, which that was previously right, or right. is currently, and it'll change, that's such a bigger district. People aren't used to anybody showing up at their door. Yeah. Because it's just, it's yeah. almost... It's, I, I don't want to say impossible because a lot almost did it <laughs> when you ran. You were out there, uh. went around the globe, everybody, in mileage. Let's just remember that. Uh, it, it's possible, but it's unlikely yeah. that my opponent will be doing any of that. I had somebody say to me, if you've driven all the way out here from West County, I'm going to vote for you. Yeah. Because they have not had anybody mm-hmm. stand on their doorstep and say, I'm running. And I want to hear what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I can't, I, I mean, I just have to reiterate the importance of that. And that's how you bring it together. Yeah. And I meant, you know, town halls we talked about. That's something that we would do right. in, in different par- portions of the district so that people can come in. You meet your neighbors. You hear what's important to people. I share in this part of the district, these were the most important things that people voiced yeah. in this part. And I think what you'll find are a lot of similarities. Yeah. But you would never know that. If one has never done that, and let me point out again, my opponent has not. Yeah. And we are doing that. So. Yeah. Well, great. Good. Um, you're doing one right now. This is a town hall right now. <laughs> That's right. All right. Wow. Okay. This is great. You've got a new voter uh, who was right on the border, didn't know anything about you uh, uh, when she went to vote, and she's like, wow, this is great. All right. Good. 
Look at this. Get your friends. Get your friends registered. Anybody here's I want to we have a new election law. And so Uh I want people to be mindful that absentee voting for this election on November 8th opens September 27th. There's a new election law that was passed Mm -hmm. and assuming stuff doesn't get thrown out before the election. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to say fingers crossed, but um, Uh two weeks prior to the election. There is now no excuse absentee voting. You don't have to give an excuse like you used to. Right. But you have to use a government-issued a photo ID. And that's a whole other thing. Yeah. That. And it can't be expired either. No, it cannot. So, uh, so utility bills. Yeah. Those voter cards that you may get mm-hmm. in the mail, voter ID cards, you can't use that anymore. Passport or... Uh, a driver's license or a, a, yeah. a non-driver's license ID that you have to get through the right. Secretary of State's office. But it allows people to go vote, you know, two weeks prior. So that's mm-hmm. a change. Mm-hmm. That being said, schools starting up, young adults who may be going to college out of state, yeah. <clears throat> out of the area, you know, need to plan for this. And so you need to get your absentee ballots in, you know, all of those things. You need to read right. up on that. Go to the Secretary of State's office or reach out to my team. We actually have a voter info tab oh, great. on the on the website. Uh-huh. You can look up to make sure, see if you're in the district, uh-huh. go through, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there. So I would just, people are going to have to do their homework yeah. in all of this. And the thing is, you know, we, we have St. Louis County that's part of the district. We have St. Charles County, mm-hmm. a little different. And then we have Franklin and Warren County. So four different election authorities. Yeah. They're all a little different. Uh-huh. And people are going to need to do their homework, you know, ahead of time. Yeah. And I believe all of them sent, send out sample ballots. Okay. And so just, you know, plan ahead, do your homework. Right. Right. Yeah. It's going to be. A... Yeah. Uh, and there, I mean, it, you know, even if it's just like you said, if you don't have a driver's license or something, you can still get that state ID too. Right, um, and you can vote with on you a pro, you can a provisional ballot. That's not ideal. So, yeah. what we want is if you need help getting, a, you know, a photo ID, there are, are groups that can help you with that mm-hmm. with the underlying documents. Secretary of State's website has has information. Right. DMV offices. So people are just going to need to allow allow time for that um because there are time constraints around right right around a lot of it plan ahead plan ahead and it's great you can go no excuse absentee voting we had um oh we had uh brianna lennon and shane scheller on here Mm -hmm. republican Democrat. well the other way around democrat republican boone county uh yeah boone county and green county uh those two together, I, I just love it. It's wonderful. Uh, and, and I mean, but everybody agree. I, there was a, a consensus among election authorities about this whole excuse thing. You know, it's like, oh, I had to have like one of these six or whatever, right. but nobody checked. And what does the government need to know that anyway? Right. Just, you know, can you vote? Okay, great. Well, you can vote now. So that's... Uh, well, and that the other thing I want to say about that I have found in doing voting rights work and in touring... The Saint, I've toured the St. Louis County election, uh, yeah. you know, the Board of Elections, which they they are open for business and you're happy to, you know, anyone can go in there and tour it. Right. I don't think people realize that so much of that behind the scenes is done bipartisan. Yeah, right. You know, it's, you know, a Republican and a Democrat, ballots are open, ballots are counted, things yeah. are locked up, all of that. And that group of election authorities across not only the country, but the world it's a very small group yeah. who really runs elections. Yeah. So this suggestion that there is rampant voter fraud or right. election integrity, all of that, if they were to know about it or if it were to be happening, right. they would all know about yes. it. So what happened in 2020? I don't even want to go there. It's not a thing. That's not to say something doesn't ever sure, happen. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But to the extent that is suggested, by and by and large, yeah. all of these authorities, bipartisan, they're the hardest working people, you know, the folks who volunteer to work the polls. There's a whole election protection group. If you have questions, 866-OUR-VOTE. Mm-hmm. If you know, call that on election day. And so all these things are in place. And the fact that people are suggesting that our elections are not safe and secure 
that is just not, yeah. it's misinformation. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to lift up all those people yes. that make our elections safe and secure. Absolutely. Yeah. If you if you haven't seen, if you do have some concerns or something, check out the episodes with uh, Brianna and Shane and also Eric Fay uh, with St. Louis County. And the I did not know all this, the security steps that they go through oh. to, to check up on signatures and everything. If there's ever a question about anything, it's it's pretty amazing what they do and the technology that they have now to verify all of this stuff. But um yeah, it's uh, um, our secretary of state, at least, has said that it's not an issue in Missouri, just everywhere else. Mm. Somehow, but, you know, God, yeah, everybody's got an election to win, I guess. Uh, OK, here's another. OK, um, this one comes from Mary. Uh, gay conversion therapy is still legal in St. Louis County. What can you do? Um do you have do you have any policy positions on uh, conversion therapy at all? It's horrible, okay. and that should not exist. People are who they are, and we should not try to change their sexual orientation or gender identity. And so, I'm a huge proponent of LGBTQ in that community. Um, in fact, I, I actually my start in any of this work started uh, I started an LGBTQ plus ministry at my church uh -huh. uh, I'm a Methodist and mm -hmm. our denomination is is splitting because of that yeah. issue and I align myself with the progressive side of that uh, body but started that ministry there grew it to a statewide ministry uh, it I, I truly don't believe I would be here had I not started that yeah. and so uh, the I, I know people who have been put through conversion therapy and the damage that it has done. And uh, we just need to let people be who they are. There are many other things that are much more important in this world. And so let's just accept people for who they are and who they love. Yeah, yeah. there's a uh, lot of practices, I think, in the same vein, monstrously should be at least investigated as consumer protection issues. We've got laws to deal with this stuff. We just don't have people who want to do it. Some folks, at least, we do have them there. We got to vote for more of them. We want to make some changes, but that's a, a very good point, very good question. Well, and so. I want to also bring up, you know, here in the state of Missouri, we still have not passed the Missouri Non-Discrimination right. exactly Act, right. yeah. MONA. Yeah. And that is when we've had gay members in the House mm -hmm. who have obviously advocated for it. Both parties, too. Both parties. Yeah. Their allies have. And uh, we've seen same-sex marriage, you know, go through the Supreme Court. Um, and so, and the vast majority of Americans are okay with all of it. I mean, again, much bigger issues. This is, you know, yeah. we, we just need to move on and recognize that uh, anybody who is trying to, to advocate for stuff like that now, um, they will be on the, they are on the wrong side of history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we literally just, in the last couple of years, our attorney general has filed briefs and gone to the United States Supreme Court arguing that we should be able to discriminate against gay people at work. And uh, he's lost, but we had to spend money doing that. Right. Which is ridiculous that that's even a position, right? I mean, employment discrimination as a whole, it hurts absolutely everybody. You know, you start excluding folks from the economy, from whatever else, it's just hurting everybody. Yes. So whether you're, you know... Whatever your thoughts are, it's really stupid, but hopefully your thoughts... Uh... Well, and people don't realize, I think, and this is a door-knocking conversation uh -huh. I've uh -huh. had, where somebody quoted a Bible verse, sure, and, and we were not in agreement on the interpretation of that, mm -hmm. but then when I said that individual could be evicted from their apartment yeah. for being LGBTQ, and the person said, that's not true. And I said, yes, it is. And I sent this person information yeah. and she said, you know what? I may not agree with that, but I don't think that you should be able to do that. Right. So I don't think people realize in our state because well, it's so totally right. backwards yeah. that that can truly happen. Yeah. And that's why we've, you know, 23 years now, I believe, we have got to pass MONA. Yeah. And those are the kinds of things you're talking about, economic development and all of that, bringing 
large events to the state. Mm -hmm. You know, if we see transgender legislation that attacks transgender students, all that kind of stuff affects economic development. Right. It affects all of that. And so we just need to pass Mona and not pass this other legislation that does so much harm to that community. Yeah. And all that, I'm sure, is coming up again this next session, too. So, um, Oh, here's one about public schools. Okay. Okay. Um, from Cindy. How can we assure our tax dollars are being allocated to public schools instead of private institutions? I'm concerned about what's happening in Missouri as well as other states with teacher shortages, uh, which uh, we are now hearing about these virtual options. I wonder how much those companies are getting paid to do that. But basically... They're taking, oh, we don't have, uh, I think it was in uh, Walnut Grove, I think was the last one I saw, where they don't have a science teacher for the whole school. And so now they're going to have some virtual whatever. Uh, after everybody was just complaining, virtual was no good. And, uh, you know, students were doing so hot. Now we're, because we're, we're not paying teachers and we're not doing it. So I, I guess, what are your, that's kind of two parts, right? There's, uh, we, we now have a program in Missouri that's diverting some of this, uh, public money to these private schools, but also the, there's this teacher shortage problem really in, in so many uh, different schools around the state. So thoughts about all of that? All that. Well, I think there are some within the Republican Party that are wanting to privatize education. Mm -hmm. And certainly we have seen that here in Missouri, the ESAs or the educational, the savings accounts that mm -hmm. you're talking about, legislation that passed uh, a couple of sessions ago, but it allows people to you know, donate and get a tax credit. Yeah. And then that money can then go to, and, and there is some criteria in terms of the students that receive it, uh, more need-based. But in many cases, the vast majority of that, those funds end up in private schools. Mm -hmm. And by private schools, here in Missouri, I mean religious schools. Yeah. So once again, public dollars, separation to church and state going into private educate, you know, private religious schools. So that's I'm not in support of that, uh, or the privatization of uh, of uh, education. Somebody in education explained it to me like this: Highway 70 is public education, and we know how much money it takes to maintain that. Okay. If you were to build another Highway 70 parallel to the current Highway 70 and that is private schools. How, if you couldn't maintain the original Highway 70, <laughs> how are you gonna build a whole other highway system mm -hmm. and expect to maintain both properly? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the sense that, and, and I'm not necessarily saying people shouldn't be able to go to private schools, obviously, if that is your choice. Right. Absolutely, I understand why people select that and based on their own family situation or the, the student. But we should not use public money for that. Everybody should have a quality education. And I feel like the privatization of education, um, that's very, very concerning to me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, the whole ESA thing, again, very concerning. Yeah. And, what, and what you're finding is, certainly in Missouri, low teacher pay, four-day you know, four school weeks, uh, can't find public you know, drivers for the, the right. buses. The other thing, I, I attend through my uh, house district, the school districts in my area, Parkway, Rockwood, and Pattonville, mm -hmm. have quarterly meetings, and they invite legislators, elected officials in, so they can kind of give everybody an update. And yeah. I will tell you, in the last two years, and certainly COVID and how that's affected them, we weren't meeting in person, but, but virtually. Sure. But now we're back in person. But what I've heard over and over again mm -hmm. is crisis in education crisis in education this is by from the educators and COVID is not the crisis yeah it's the fact that there aren't enough students in the pipeline in college mm -hmm. to replace the ones who are retiring mm -hmm. and so what has the state legislature done we have lowered <laughs> the requirements to teach children because we don't have enough people to teach children yeah so we lower the bar we expect the same outcome. Right. That's not going to happen. And then you have this crisis in education. And then what the governor decides to do, let's have a task force on teachers that's going to last three or four months. Yeah. And we're going to solve the problem. Yeah. You don't need a task force to figure that out. It's pretty clear. 
when you see the Parents' Bill of Rights stuff coming through, when you see the CRT legislation, when you see uh, legislation that hampers the ability of teachers to teach, they've gone to school. It's not saying anything that parents cannot be involved in their children's education. None of that. But that is why you're seeing retired teachers retire early, mm-hmm. and you're saying a sh- you're, you're going to see a shortfall in people entering the field yeah. because people are saying, I don't want to go get through. I don't want to be put through that. The scrutiny, the questioning, the, the idea that I'm going to have to do 29 lesson plans and communicate to all these sets of parents, it, it becomes ridiculous. The idea of big government, the party that's against big government, this is big government on steroids, let me tell you. And and so I'm a huge yeah. advocate for public education, and I can only hope that the legislature will correct itself mm-hmm. and we won't see some of this legislation move through that um, causes teachers to just say, I'm had enough. Yeah, you yeah. I, it's, it's, it's tough. A lot of folks are willing to accept the low pay uh, they're willing to do it because they really believe in uh, this job mm-hmm. and this is a calling. And, and it's and then they get there. I know a lot of folks who have gone. I mean, I've worked with um, you've worked with kids. I've yeah, worked with kids yeah, yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And uh, have had a lot of friends who have gone on and become teachers full time and working in in school districts that are um, uh, are not performing as well as others uh, on purpose. And uh, the the low pay combined with the lack of support and, you know, a lot of dysfunction. Now, a lot of that comes from the lack of support from the state government. So the state of Missouri does not give a whole lot to schools. Instead, we're getting a lot of local money. So if you are in a poorer area of the state, your tax base is more limited than uh, where I was fortunate to go to high school, Clayton High School. Um, They're able to raise a lot more money. Um, even at a lower tax rate, but a lot of folks, they max them up because they max, they maximize whatever that tax rate is because they want to invest and that you will see that in districts all over the state, like the people of the state in their areas, they want to invest in their public schools. It's just, the problem is the state of Missouri, at least our legislature is not super interested in doing that. And then, then this whole thing, this whole complaint about, oh, public schools are bad. And we need to get rid. We need a, a new highway of schools. It's it's a self fulfilling prophecy because you are literally sabotaging that school that folks have loved for a long time, and now it's like, well, it's not so good anymore over a period of years and years and years. And here we are, where educators for a long time, if you listen to them for decades, have been complaining that hey, th- we're on the wrong path here, and. Now it's like we're seeing the system start to crumble in a lot of places we weren't expecting it. Now folks who've got more means can't really ignore it. It's not, oh, that's not normal for us. It's been normal for a lot of other folks. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that this this is like, how did this happen overnight? Just one day, all of a sudden. But it's not. I mean, it's been a process to uh, demolish a a very historically favored institution in the state of Missouri, which was at the forefront of public education in the entire right. world. And uh, uh, unfortunately, they have found a lot of success. And that's, that's because a lot of folks, unlike you, who were willing to go into like local and state and understand, hey, this is where we're making a lot of decisions in this government right here. Um, yeah, it's been hard for a lot of folks to kind of keep track of what's going on and where it's going on and why it matters. And um, Well, and there are some... You know, at the federal level, there are some elected officials advocating for getting away, give, get, getting rid of the Department of Education. Right. Yes. I mean, right. you know, you yeah. sit there and you just kind of think, you know, yeah. where are we heading with all of this? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I serve with a lot of Republicans who aren't necessarily in agreement with all this because they come, yes. their school districts in smaller areas, it's beloved. It's a yeah. social. I mean, that's where everybody spends Friday nights at the football games or basketball games. Yeah. I mean, those events that happen at those schools, and they're very good schools, that brings the community together. They don't have the resources to have the private schools. And so when you start chipping away at their one, you know, what they're so proud of, 
Right. There's backlash. Trust me, many of my colleagues on some votes, yes. it was like, uh-oh, they rethought that. Right. And so uh, what may or may not work in some of the metropolitan areas, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't necessarily fly in some of the more rural areas. Yeah. So everybody isn't on board. I don't want to give the sense that. Absolutely. Right. Right. There's a reason why it hasn't like totally gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, I mean, you travel around and, and, and folks love their public schools. And there are some areas where it's just, you know, you, you go, it's incredibly frustrating. Kids are not learning how to read. The opportunities are, you're just watching them disappear. I mean, I've taught third graders who, you know, I've talked to them about, oh, hey, have you, you know, want to do some like, you know, reading time or whatever. It's like, what does it matter? Mm -hmm. No one really cares. And that was years ago. Like that wasn't yesterday, right? That's been going on. And for that a while. was before screen time. And yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, now you have another medium, right? Or media that takes away from, right? You know, the tactile, open the book and do everything, right? You right. know, so it's, and we can it's take a challenge of that too. Yeah, you, know, you can really, you can really get kids to do things. You just have to, you have to find a way to do it. And I, I do think, you know, a, a lot of schools that I've worked with, they have felt. Uh, constrained by the current system that they have, mm -hmm. right? Like a principal feels like I know what would work for these kids. I need this kid in the fourth grade to actually be helping kids in the second grade because of the level they're on. And there was a period of time where in the city, in St. Louis city, um, they were like applying almost, you know, there's charter schools that were building up. And so they were kind of applying for, they would call them these pilot programs where you had to say, Hey, uh, here's my plan, and then you'll let me like kind of change some of the rules so I can do it, and then they would approve it. And this principal I worked with did not get approved for her plan. She went through and everything else, and I sat with her the year after, and she told me oh, I didn't get it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. She's like, oh, I'm so happy I didn't get it. I'm like, why? She's like, well, I'm basically doing the same thing anyway, but the paperwork I have to do, thank God I don't have to do it. And that's part of it. Like The, the administration oh. that we put on top, the bureaucracy yes. and everything else has just made – so many things that should be a lot easier for people to access who are in need access. And it just, it's well, just and it's 24, se 24 seven communication yes. in so many professions. Yes. Um, you know, used to, you know, you saw, you talked at conference conference time, maybe you had a phone call or uh -huh. a note came home from the teacher. Now you can email. I mean, people right, expect, right, right, you right. know, we, we are already in their business a lot more than, you know, certainly when I went to school or when you went to school. So um, <laughs> times have changed, but yeah. but I I love, you know, the profession, you know, yeah. oh my goodness. what yeah. They've been through a rough few years, and I so I'm hoping that we're past all that. And Right. Hey, I always encourage, look, I'm a big fan of the Sunshine Law. You want to know what's happening in your kid's school, by the way? Mm. Uh, you didn't need the Sunshine Law for that. I don't know if the Attorney General knew that, but it was already the law in Missouri that you get to see all of this curriculum material in the education laws. But go, like, be a parent. I love these parents where they did, they'd go to school, they'd volunteer, they'd sit there, and they'd be wonderful. I mean, that's very helpful. It's That's great. Like, I do that. That would be wonderful. <laughs> and you'll learn a lot. You'll see what's going on, and, you know. Maybe School's a lot times. harder. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. Because I just remember when my kids is. went through, I thought to myself, was I learning this? <laughs> right, at the, right. I don't think so. Right. So it it feels harder than yeah. when I went and it's, You know, it's an opportunity. Like, that's how it's supposed to work, right? The... the you learn more and, and the education system is supposed to get better, mm -hmm. but there are unfortunately interests that want to see the opposite happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's unfortunate, but um, we we blew through the time, didn't we? It's all right, 8.03. Folks, you got an extra three oh minutes out of gosh. this. Uh, what am I doing? Okay, Trish, I got to give you some time to wrap up. Okay, so uh, first of all, lots of wonderful comments. They say oh, thank you very thanks, much everybody. for being here. Um, so thank you all for watching. Please go ahead and share and let folks know. Tell them about uh, Trish if you're a fan. She's got a website right there, Trish Gumby. Trish, give us your closing. You're running for Congress. You just did this town hall. You answered all these questions. You went through it. Um, and uh, uh, let, them, let them know what's on your mind. How can folks get involved? And, and what what is it that you need people to do to help you? Well, we are 83 days away from November okay. 8th. Yeah. And so we are at the last portion, obviously. This has been a 15-month, for me personally, a 15-month campaign. And so we're at the very end, obviously. And what that means is if you started with me on day one, thank you very much. If you are just finding out about me today, there is a place for you. Trust so me. 83 days to That's do That's right. So, yeah. There's 83 uh -huh. days. And so we need people to door knock with us, 
to phone bank with us. Uh, I need donations to donate to the campaign because that outreach and what we do out in the community, uh, it doesn't happen by accident. Uh, so you need funding for all of those things. And so we just invite people to go to the website, trishgunby.com. You can volunteer from there. All the events are listed that we have going on. There's a donate button and we're just working our tails off. And I would love to have more people join us as we work hard to flip this seat. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can participate in these town halls live and subscribe so you don't miss any at alodgross.live. This is Alod Gross, and we'll see you on the next Alod Pod.